see you coming back in here with fucking jumpsies. I want to see you coming back in here with bloodstained jumpsies, man. Look at anybody going sitting up a pint with those boys after that. And the referee is looking around and acting as Mickey. Tell the children to play tennis or something. If they want to play tennis, go and play tennis. Dad, what's the most dangerous substance in the GAA? Oh, the drink. Mick? Well, no, uh, maybe the drink can help you sometimes. Go you on. don't want to overdo the deep heat. It can lead to all kinds of problems. Well, okay, as Mark knows only too well. Let me rephrase it. What's the most powerful substance in the GAA? Most powerful Hunger. substance. No, that's not most- a substance. That's more of a... I don't know. <laughs> what what would on. hunger be? A state of being. Dressing room wall material. Dressing room oh, material will power any We talked about it on the Build Up podcast this week. Uh, I just completely... I did a hatchet job on Sammy Watkins last week. And look what he did in the first week at the NFL. He scored 75 touchdowns. They pinned that build-up podcast on the dressing room wall in the Kansas City Chiefs dressing room. It, it's podcast these days that are all getting pinned up on walls. This is lady manager, <laughs> Galway lady manager Tim Rabbit talking about something he heard during the week in the Connor Tribune this week, right? Everywhere we turn, it's Dublin, I suppose. I heard one of their former captains on radio there this week saying they hope Galway don't get hammered, that it wouldn't be good for ladies football. They're things we aren't too concerned about. We're more worried about our own performance and what we can do right. Obviously, Dublin are a strong team and they're going for three in a row and we really have to be our very best. I can't remember her name now, but to be honest, that's the way some people would perceive it. Obviously, we were beaten by Dublin by four points in the league and they're Greece since then. <laughs> so, uh, I, don't, I actually don't know who he's talking about there. I, I saw quotes from uh, Cleona Masterson this week, but it wasn't really any way predicting that they don't get the hammered. But my point is that at some point, County is going to have to start taking responsibility and put a leash on former players or captains. It happened to Kerry before the final. Yeah. All Kerry were saying was that they liked the captain, uh, the referee, but their past manager and past players in Aidan O'Mahony were saying that they don't like him. And sure, then the, the narrative was out there and the Kerry Mafia was in, in action. And in a similar vein, now Galway have this in their locker on the dressing room wall, podcast up in the dressing room wall before they go to massive underdogs against Dublin. And it'll power them to a huge shock up win. Yeah, and look, I don't know what you're saying about putting leash on former players. As you well know, is given your story uh, of a manager you're talking about before at club level, you don't actually, they don't actually even need a yeah. former player to say it. <laughs> the manager could just make it up yeah, yeah, <laughs> and get everybody riled up. So maybe that didn't even happen at all. Yeah, yeah. Well, I love the, I, sorry, there's a lovely part of putting things up as you're putting it up in the dressing room wall. While you're saying, oh, look, we'll show them. As you're putting that hammer into the nail, because you, 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 know, you wouldn't be using blue tack. Like, I mean, this is these are old school people. No, like, is, you know, yeah, this as, is, uh, as they're putting the hammer onto the nail, they're also throwing a little bit of shade at the person who does it by pretending they haven't a clue who it was. <laughs> oh, I don't know who did it now, but it was someone, you know, that said that about us and we'll show them. <laughs> <laughs> as if he doesn't know who it was. Like, like that's when you think about it, that's how uh, Protestantism and everything was founded. It was just Martin Luther going around nailing stuff on a wall going wait till you hear what they're after saying about us (laughs) 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 the the Pope doesn't think we'll do it we'll We'll do it (laughs) we'll split away we'll reform (laughs) welcome to the three man weave I think I'll be talking about Martin Luther at the start of the show (laughs) (laughs) welcome to three man weave the boss.egea podcast this is our All-Ireland final replay preview (laughs) podcast Uh, we didn't think we'd be back here for this but we're delighted to be that's First of all, I hope you're as excited as I am for this game. We're going to get into it in a second. The big news, right, is that Bernard Brogan is back. Um, a couple of reports in a load of different outlets this morning that he will, at the very least, be involved in the squad. Probably not that much of a surprise, is it, Mark? It's not a surprise, but what 
like this is another example for me of and you talk about putting a leash on former players or whatever it is there seems to be a lot more leaks leaks in the Dublin camp or Massively, not even leaks yeah. but just stuff that may turn out to be right and like, some of it could be completely made up so like I actually saw Anthony Miles tweeting about it this morning where he was talking about the Bernard Brogan thing being leaked all the talk around Conley uh, all the stuff that like it's, he, he described just as like a circus around Dublin and one of the ones he hadn't pointed out but I was just thinking about it because I was listening to I think it was second captains on just their analysis of it and talked about Keane O'Sullivan and the talk of Keane O'Sullivan come back as a sweeper and I'm trying to find when was the origin point of this Keane O'Sullivan coming in as a sweeper story because this is kind of taken out all in the Dublin camp and there's a rumour now that they're going to bring Keane O'Sullivan back in but that rumour seemed to be going around before the lads were even togged in at the end of the first game like there's, I don't understand. Like, I can't see why Jim Gavin would be around telling people on the Sunday night or the Monday morning. Oh well, you know what we're doing the next day before I look at any video analysis, before I take anything else into con- uh, context, we're going to bring in Keane Sullivan and play him as a sweeper. I just can't see that happening. But this just seems to be taken as the narrative that Dublin are definitely doing this, um, and it's the same. Like say Brogan now, I don't know how that's come out. Uh, like we didn't know until the Sunday morning when the team, when the program was issued, when people started making their way into Crow Park that. Brogan and O'Gara weren't in the team. Why is it coming out now on a, a Thursday night or a Friday morning that he's not, he's going to be in the panel? There was also the supposed leaked uh, match programme. That, had that was clearly edited back. though, yeah. That was clearly photoshopped. There is a few places you could get it though and the programme being one of them. Like they do actually eventually have to, you know, give an official 26, even if not a 15, over to someone, you know. Like I think it makes sense as well. Like that's the other reason that we can believe it. Like as Mara said at the start. Oh yeah, I think he Brogan will be in the squad. It's like not needs to come in. Like it's just, just more the amount of. Weird oh yeah, no, absolutely, I agree with you. But I just uh, just going back to the actual point on Brogan himself. I I feel that even when he was on the couple of times earlier in the year, I know it was like the, the kind of a dead rubber against Throne. But I I kind of I find he at this stage of his career he brings a kind of a calmness. To a, to the kind of the forward line a little bit that actually would have been no harm a couple of weeks ago, you know, towards the end of that game. Now they event like they did, you know. I thought Kieran Kilkenny getting more involved in the game that kind of brought that to Dublin, and they ended up sort of like rather calmly getting the draw in the yeah. end. Do you know what I mean? But I think Brogan even in the last twenty minutes, and they just didn't use that bench, which suggests to me that he's not. Jim isn't sure about what he's got in the forward line bench, so maybe you should go to what you are sure of. And one of probably Dublin's best ever forward might be the person to to throw in in that situation. Kilkenny, At least you can trust them. Kilkenny brought cameras, but it was out kind of around the middle third. Whereas what Dublin kind of actually lacked was, uh, for want of a, a better county to compare them to, an Andy Moran type. Like that Ball sort winner, of a focal point off. that's yeah, I, you I actually, target. Yeah, but is it not is it, is is Brogan not the opposite to that? Is Brogan not the guy who'll just come in and like their biggest problem was their conversion, and he's the guy who'll take the ball off the shoulder and put it over the bar. Like he won't kick. So that all those it's funny we'll talk about this later in the podcast about the way these teams are set up but it's just something that was interesting Don Fowler did a preview of this I keep bringing the, his previews up but he's done a preview of this final as well and he had an interesting enough stat right Dublin of 12 shots outside the scoring zone you know they, so they're talking about misses yeah. here and their conversion from that so inside that zone and outside the zone was, was poor but 8 of those were little or no pressure that they, they they missed him, so they, like he's a player who will, will unerringly put a ball over the bar if he's under no pressure in th- those scenarios, as opposed to maybe like 
Mick, myself and yourself, had a, was this conversation on or off the air about Niall Scully <laughs> playing and the fact that you just can't, you just won't ever hit four or five points for mm. you in the way that you need somebody to, and I think that it makes it easier to drill down, whereas if you'd somebody like Brogan for those 10 or 15 minutes, you have to put a man on him because you know if he gets space, he's just going to score. He's, he, I don't think that'll ever leave him. Yeah, I wonder is the other thing then, even to move it on a little bit and talk about someone like Niall Scully or talk about like that, that Dublin have had those kind of two... I suppose, defensive wing forwards for the whole year and yeah. for the last couple of years, really. And is there a question on, you know, maybe it's like, you know, Paul Murphy was going forward most of the time last time, as we discussed in the kind of previous show, is that that's how they had to counter that particular uh, play by Dublin. Is Dublin's counter to that, to put Dermot Connolly at 12? Or someone else you know put more of a kind of an attack an attacking forward in that position you're obviously going to still have brian howard on the other side you know um is it worth dublin kind of having another proper forward in the in in the six like at this stage and jaron Connolly, like it's interesting you have to wonder who is the person who did the photoshopped match program and there's one person i know who's been pontificating and shouting on across the airways for months on end now about how Jeremy, how Jeremy Connolly should come into the Dublin team at half back. Yeah. And he even, he even said it before the later final, I think he believed he said on the podcast about how he was, he'd been saying it for months that Jeremy Connolly should play at half back. So Morris, how did you do the Photoshop? Um, that wasn't me. <laughs> I want to have a conversation about, at the, we were at the live show in the Hudson Bay last week and uh uh, Eamon Fennell who's friends and club mates with Dermot Connolly and knows like so I, I'm not going to question him called him Dermot Connolly for the entire time you're calling him Dermot Connolly I don't know his name is Dermot <laughs> can we just can we it's just? how we pronounce that name in Cavan so you he's, can like it or lump it I'll do you want me to, I'll pick out things you, that you mispronounce you pe- uh, dif- pronounce somebody's to. name by what their name is right we're going to do <laughs> is he going to play we're going to have a guest of handicaps we're going to do a quiz we're going to analyse the game but firstly on this idea of Jimmy Connolly, um, this <laughs> he calls him German as well. He's German. There's an interesting narrative around this ever since he was recalled. Actually, so you talked about the leaks earlier, Mark. Now I still think that Dublin still have ultimate control on their uh, on their own content because it was <laughs> Jim Gavin who notoriously announced that uh, Connolly was coming back in the first place yeah. and just uh, dropped it in there. There was also, I think, they would point to incorrect leaks for want of better phrase like I was about to say yeah it's not like, leaks the, like, it's, it's circus is the right yeah, thing that like, might describe it as there was all stories about Michael Dermot Cawley being dropped for the Mayo game there was all stories about Jason Sherlock earlier in the year needed improved to be uh, accurate so it, I think it's hard to know but it, I thought it was interesting on going back to Dubs TV Jim Gavin actually addressed this these things about the Connolly return and whether or not it unsettled his camp that this is it's clearly like this is a narrative now and even in past going back to past players like again Alan Brogan talked about this he, he said again that like regardless there will be people sore about it here's what uh, Jim Gavin had to say what I saw after the game was just a great solidarity among the group a great connection and I suppose camaraderie to a man they were in the dressing room immediately after the game all the panel players including the guys who got the opportunity to represent Dublin on the pitch in the draw game they all ride around each other and there's certainly a drive in them now I thought it was interesting that he felt the need to put that out there to clarify that like the I was thinking about this a lot uh, kind of over the last week and first I was thinking well I don't think anybody would really care if you recalled a star player who you know was going to get you get your county to in All-Ireland but then at the other time I'm thinking actually of course you'd care but everybody cares like I'm sure there was 
Clare players, Mick, who were kind of sore that they went through an entire preseason, didn't get a chance, and Shane O'Donnell came back and straight away was back in. But he did that because he's got credit in the bank from what he's done in the past. And in mm. a similar vein, I think Connolly had enough credit in the bank, even if he did come back late or was due to go to America, to come back in and they'd recognise this guy is a supreme talent and we right now definitely need him to get over the line. It's... Mark made a point on the show when Connolly came back. How long ago was that now? A couple of months ago. That has just it completely changed my thought process on it. And I've, I've given you credit here, Mark, despite your Germanness. Uh, like the if these these lads are going for five All Irelands in a row, they're elite of the elite. If they're going to lose their place to Dermot Connolly, then maybe they're sore about it. But if their the attitude that Jim Gavin would want out of them is to kick on and try and get their place exactly, back. Exactly, yeah. And, like, that's the attitude they need to have because they're, like, at the top, top level. And if they're the 15th man and Dermot McConnelly replaces them, then it's like Mark's point at the time. They have to make sure they get into the top 12 instead of the top 15. And that's their kick on. And I, I have a feeling that that's the message that's brought through and it's the people who either step it up. And another point that I made at the time as well is that there's a bit of... Dublin are never just looking at this year either. And I think there's a, how are these guys going to react? Maybe someone's going to lose their place in the 26. But I want to know how that person reacts because I'm worried about them in three years' time leading us to an All-Ireland. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I kind of fed up with talking about the Connolly, how it affects the rest yeah. of the players. Because everybody, it, it's a, it's actually the perfect example of what I was talking about earlier on with the circus around it and the Keno Sullivan being the sweeper or Brogan in and every panel, or whatever it is. It's like everybody decided on that narrative that Jesus, you know everyone's just waiting for Dublin to not win a game by 10 points so they can all go well look at the players were upset at Connolly coming back and like maybe they are but none of us know exactly and yeah we can't just decide it for them but it's funny I want like I'm fed up with that conversation as well I want to actually talk more about Connolly the player like I mean is he has he shown I'm saying let's throw him in because I'm thinking of this guy from 2016 yeah. that's who's in my head 2017 is has he shown that form so far? Like, you know, is he actually the person that should be playing instead of Niall Scully or instead of whoever you want them in? And, you know, he didn't do it when he came on. Like, I mean, it wasn't the greatest circumstance and he didn't have much time, but it wasn't like as if he came on and changed the game that he's earned his spot on that team. We only have to go by what we're, what Jim Gavin is going to see in training. Like, So let's move on to that. So changes that we kind of foresee. Um, the big one, I think we all... We're in agreement after the final was that Keno Sullivan, if he could stand on two legs, would come back in and try and clog that space in front of Clifford and to a lesser extent Ganey. But if Dublin could get him alongside Adrian Spillane, Adrian Spillane drops off into the middle and Sullivan drops back. Now it turns out that it, this again, this is out there that he uh, tore his hamstring just before the final. Weirdly, was still on the bench. Um, it looks like isn't fit to play and now everyone's looking at somebody like Owen Merchant who might come in and I don't think do that job like if if the I can understand why people think Owen Merchant will come in and try and go and tag somebody but at the same time he's not going to do the job that Keenan Sullivan did and therefore do you really need him to come back in like who's he coming back in instead of the, this thing about Davy Byrne I thought Davy Byrne was great the, yeah Davy so, Byrne was Davy Byrne yeah. it should be in no way worried about his place this week in my opinion anyway so, yeah. then, so then where does he come in? For, so the other one, right, the stuff that's out there, uh, Keno Sullivan's hamstring, John Small, his hand, we're not so sure about that. The other mm. one is that Brian Fenton was sick for the, the first final. Is that just put out there because of his performance? We don't know. But the, other than, if taking fitness aside, tactically, what changes do you think they should make? It's a tricky one because they had 14 men for most of that game. Yeah. So you're not actually looking at what 
their tactics like what were their tactics oh like what do they need to do they need to regain more control of possession around the middle third well they didn't have much control of possession around the middle third because, because body, yeah. they had an extra man Paul Murphy or Jack Sherwood just clogging up all that space for Fenton to get into so do they actually need to change that much like obviously the, the obvious change is that Johnny Cooper doesn't mark Clifford now that might be something as simple as that he moves into fullback and Fitzsimons goes out on Clifford maybe bring in Phil McMahon in there either or Merchant to give give Kerry something more to worry about going forward something you might target I really, like Michael Hannon had a really interested in we're going to go as far as say conspiracy theory but just tactical theory uh, in his column in this week's Anglo Celt where he was talking about how he thought Kerry were when they were allowing Dublin with the kick get get have an extra man for the kick out, that it was James McCarthy who was constantly get winning the kick out and they were basically letting him run the legs of himself and then bring on Tommy Walsh, knowing that James McCarthy was going to be put on Walsh and Walsh could run right. If that is true, then Dublin need a plan to counteract that that when Walsh comes on, if McCarthy has you know, if the legs are gone and do they bring on somebody else to go on to him or do they try and protect McCarthy with that plan in mind going you know, late in the game, maybe Tommy Walsh starts and McCarthy's on it from yeah. the start. But they're like they're only small changes. Like I, I think maybe individually they have to look at stuff. So like, Kieran Kilkenny, I thought bossed that game for the last ten or fifteen minutes. But how does he do that for you know earlier on in the game? Conor Callaghan was kept relatively quiet to what he's capable of. How do they tar- how do they maybe isolate uh, O'Callaghan in that full forward line that he can get more one on one opportunities to win that ball and turn and face goal. Mannion as well, like you need to get him more involved as well. He started off like a house on fire and completely faded out of the game, which was kind of strange. But for me, like the McCarthy thing is interesting because people keep talking about like McCarthy being brought back on Tommy Walsh. Would that have happened if Johnny Cooper was on the field? I feel like an, an awful lot. Oh no, of- it definitely would have. He took him in the league in uh, in Tralee. He went back. That's where that came from in Austin Stack Park. Um, James McCarthy ran right in the first half, scored three points, and Kerry responded by bringing on Tommy Walsh to curtail him because he went back. The it's an interesting point though. Does he need to? Does James McCarthy need no, to be the man? Well, that's what I'm saying. I don't know, but I like my guess would be that I would think that Michael Fitzsimons could mark Tommy Walsh right uh, my worry then is and I don't know Clifford. who marks David Clifford and I don't think that but I don't under I, it's like what we're talking about with like you wouldn't say let's put James J- Jack McCaffrey back on like cornerback and like Dublin need to worry about scoring and going forward and winning ball and everything else as well and James McCarthy I think is too valuable as you said, like what he did run riot in the league before they put Tommy Walsh on, and I don't think he's the man. And I don't know what the I don't know whether it's playing like whether it's um, you know putting somebody else in O'Brien and maybe putting John Small into that. You know, because Kerry aren't going to have Gainey Clifford and Walsh on for the whole game. It'll be for a portion of the game. So you're not. This isn't doesn't need to be a seventy minute plan. But I think that it, like maybe it is just a horses for courses thing that they have at at certain points. Here's the scenario. Here's what Kerry have, and we need to worry about four or five guys, and that's what they'll do. And then everything else should be about them and going forward. You know, like that's like what we were talking about in our original podcast before the before the first final was. You know. Everything was like, what? What are Kerry going to do to Dublin? And all the conversation this time is, what Dublin, Dublin are going to do to Kerry? Yeah. You know, like to stop Kerry. He's like, you. I think you. I think these matchups need to be two way. Yeah. You know, other than maybe the full back and cornerback, everything else should be two way. To my mind, Dublin. If if you're like, we'll start with Dublin's approach and we'll move on to Kerry's approach because I don't think you can take it really individually. Like it is a collective. There's there's a lot more to it than just one on one battles. To, to to my mind, the yeah. first if you if you were to start with Dublin and you're looking as as a hierarchy, the, their main issue was 
gaining supremacy around the middle third, that, that area there where they were flooded out. To tackle that, I think they need to do something in their midfield. So the, the, the circumstance that I could see foresee someone like Merchant coming in is in place of Michael Darren McCauley. Yeah, and, and McCarthy go midfield. Exactly. That allows James McCarthy to go into midfield. What happened in midfield was that Jack Barry started alongside Fenton. Uh, David Moran was on Michael Darren McCauley. Then Fenton tried to compete with Moran from kickouts. So was he? I think he was tactically confused. Was trying His head was being turned by trying to cover Moran for kickouts. He also had to deal with Jack Barry then on the ground. He's effectively trying to do two jobs. Moran was still able to drop off and get this real accurate kick pass to get Kerry's transitioning really quickly. Uh, Fenton can't push up and I'm high enough. I don't think Michael Demercalli is as well able to do that defensively. So that's where I think they need somebody better suited to match up with. Some, what they need is somebody who can compete with Moran in the air and match with him on the ground. James McCarthy seems tailor-made to do that. That would isolate Fenton one-on-one in a one-on-one battle with Barry, not worrying about anything else. And in that scenario, I think Fenton, like, Fenton's problem is that he always has, he's trying to deal with Moran and Barry or Barry and Spillane or Barry and uh, Jack Sherwood. Yeah. Just get him one-on-one with him. Let him uh, take him on there and that would suit him way better than, than any of those other kind of matchups. So to do that, you either take out uh, Michael Darren McCauley and bring James McCarthy in mid- mid- midfield or you bring Brian Howard to wing back and then you bring in somebody else on the, as a wing forward which is a circumstance where you might see Jeremy Connolly Mick as you were saying earlier mm. that all of that is trying to is, is predicated around that aspect For, from from Kerry's perspective right Kerry's reaction to that would obviously be to try and bring on Tommy Walsh and put him inside I don't think I think the approach with Tommy Walsh has been confused all year because everybody has earmarked Tommy Walsh like Kieran Donaghy 2.0 and Tommy Walsh is not Kieran Donaghy 2.0 so what you you, I spoke to Shane McEntee yesterday the Mead footballer who's actually played against both of these teams and he's really familiar with them both they've played Kerry they played Kerry in a friendly and they played Kerry in the Super 8 obviously played Dublin in Crow Park and he was talking about Conor McGill he remembered Conor McGill matched up against Tommy Walsh and he's like this guy like physically trying to actually I remember watching like Conor McGill who's no slouch either trying to get around them and just couldn't hop him and what I think Tommy Walsh doesn't want does this thing about putting James McCarthy or he came on against Tyrone and Tyrone were like who do we put on him is it, is it McNamee or whatever Tommy Walsh doesn't want you're not lumping ball on top no. of the way you do with Donaghy yeah. it's, it's bouncing in front of him it's yeah. ne- so he's actually we're talking about the focal point he's the more and he's the like maybe not so much in the corner because he's just that bit more physical that he's able to hold a defender he's not doesn't need that much space you know to run out into but every time he seems to get his ball in, ball into his hands is that ball that's coming in front of him and he's Joe Roddy if he's analysing probably give a free out because he's holding him off <laughs> put, throwing his arse into the defender but um, it's that kind of player that he is so on, if you're matching up against him going back to what Mick said this is why you're spot on it's, you don't want it's, like this thing about oh, bring, we'll bring on Philly McMahon at the same time Philly McMahon spoiled Donaghy but he's not going to get a chance to spoil. He has to be out in front. If he wants to beat Tommy Walsh, he has to mark him from the front and try and beat him in a, in a foot race. Because you're not, once he has a ball, you're not going to be strong enough to stop him then. And you can't mark him from behind because it's, again, that's it's, where the sweeper it's, comes it's in, not going in on top of. Exactly. So it's either you're looking at somebody like, I think Mick Fitzsimons is actually perfect for that. You watch Mick Fitzsimons is strong enough to try and compete with him shoulder to shoulder, standing side by side, and get out in front of him as well. Like Michael Simons is well able to mix it that way. It's you don't. It's not about James McCarthy going back there and competing with him in the air because he's not going to compete with him there anyway. They're not kicking. It's not the ball isn't being lumped in on top of yeah. It might Tommy happen Wa- twice, just, like yeah, uh, uh, on top of Tommy Walsh. The other thing that Kerry needs to decide about is Jack McCaffrey. That I think that's the so so so. so 
And it's actually not just, just Jack McCaffrey. It's what they decide in Jack McCaffrey, how it affects the rest of the setup. So if you look, <laughs> Morris is waving his hands here. Exactly. I mean, you're you're cutting like, the nail. You're, you're, the Galway lantern nailing the thing to the wall didn't get it as well. It's because, like, just looking back at that game, like, when McCaffrey, like, Gavin White followed him around, seemed, was, did actually a decent enough job of him, funnily enough, especially in the first half. But the issue was that their plan for, McCaffrey and White kind of was it contradicted they contradicted themselves in their plan for the Dublin kickouts. So White is in his zone for the Dublin kickout. McCaffrey, if Dublin end up winning that kickout, he doesn't know where McCaffrey is. And McCaffrey, every time McCaffrey seems to get involved in the play, I don't remember where I was reading the tactical analysis of that, but it was like, or someone's looking back across it, they were talking about how he was getting that off the back of Gavin White being out of position for the kickout, that that was where actually McCaffrey had struck hay. So, Kerry sitting down and they're looking at the. they would have taken the template from the Mayo game they would have watched what Ma- the Dublin did to Mayo that absolute domination and they would have looked at Conor Hallahan scoring two goals Brian Fenton scoring 1-1 Paul Mannion scoring not 5 and they're like how do we um, inhibit them like how do we muzzle Dublin's biggest weapons so what they decided to do was uh, it's actually like it was a really kind of nuanced approach it wasn't one-on-one man marker you just do your job like we'll leave you to these one-on battles it was they flooded the space where those players normally thrive so Paul Murphy like dropped off and like people are looking at Paul Murphy like oh what is he even doing he's just kind of running he's not getting on ball he's cutting off he is in the space where Mannion and Conor Hannan want to run out into into the space so he totally inhibits their ability to drive there by filling that space in and around Fenton you had Spillane you had uh, Jack Sherwood when he came on flooding that space again so he, he wants this like that corridor where he thrives is full of bodies and he's just getting flooded out of it he can't he, can't, he hardly find room to breathe the same thing with Jack McCaffrey like Gavin White Gavin White the template was set by Paddy Durkin, right? Paddy Durkin did what he did against Mayo. And this is, again, another point that Shane said to me yesterday, which is actually really good. Like, look at Jack McCaffrey's goal. And say if you'd given Gavin White the job of the Paddy Durkin. It's like, in terms of pure athletic capacity, in terms of actually, like, being able to take him, did Kerry have a single player who could have stuck with him as he went off that sprint? Like, he, he is head down to, towards goal, fl- floating forward. In terms of pure athletic capacity, somebody to stick and man him, it's not going to happen. They're not going to have somebody who can match him step for step. Because what Paddy Durkin did is so hard to replicate by any other player. That's why it's so incredible. I showed you, Mark, before you came in here, a four-minute... This is something that I've been thinking about a lot. There was a four-minute segment. People will remember the moment when the, the two Dublin doctors ran across Rob Henley. Just before that, Jack McCaffrey makes a burst from the back as Dublin are trying to go along. And stride for stride, Paddy Durkin is with them. He's running, he's exactly on his corner. Dublin continue to attack. Durkin is tracking him everywhere. He's, he's marking him. And then when Mayo attack, it's so striking to see what Jack McCaffrey does. He is treating Durkin as an equal. So he's not cheating. He's marking him everywhere, tracking him everywhere. If Durkin gets a half yard ahead of him and he breaks... Jack McCaffrey is head down and he can't catch him. He's sprinting. He's trying to show his defensive ability, but he can't catch him. And Kerry don't have a player who can do that. Kerry, that's it's just so. It's why Durkin is such a. If people aren't sure why Durkin should get an All Star, go and watch those four minutes and what he did to Jack McCaffrey because he he kept him totally occupied. He did a job on both sides of the ball, right? It's and it's so hard to match. That. You know, I showed you this before we came in, Mark. And like, do you know do you know what I mean? It's like yeah, it, it, one way you look at clip and you're like. 
what's I was like, what are you showing me, Marsh? This is just two lads marking each other. Like they're just following around. Then I remember Jack McCaffrey could be the fastest GA player of all time. <laughs> and Paddy Dorkin's marking and him. And he is, but he's marking him back. He is yeah. like, but McCaffrey is marking him. Like he, he he's even though Durkin is like it, technically on him to mark him and yeah. Jerkin scored three points off him and Jack McCaffrey didn't like so but Kerry don't have a player to do that so the next best thing is like they're looking at it and they're saying we can, if we can inhibit Mannion, Fenton and Conor Callahan, drill down on them and say Jack McCaffrey scores 1-1-1-2 one, 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 but they don't score or they score a point that, uh, we'll take that We'll t- that's okay like that's it's a better scenario than us drilling down on Jack McCaffrey and letting somebody else get free by by sacrificing a man just to take out Jack McCaffrey so in that scenario that's why I think Stephen O'Brien should go over to Jack McCaffrey because all you're trying to do is when he, when he makes that all out flat out run Stephen O'Brien is the best suited to stick with him to match him stride for stride or try to anyway even if he doesn't but at the same time Stephen O'Brien will give him something the other way and people like I, people are saying, oh sure, he, like Jack McCaffrey doesn't want to ha- won't have to do it other way, and he has other alternatives there. No, he doesn't. The, Jack McCaffrey has spoken in the past about how good of a how his improvements as a defender. He wants to demonstrate that, and that's a good way to inhibit him to enough of an extent while focusing on that other stuff the, around it. Like the Kerry don't have a player to do with Paddy Durkin, so why are we always talking about Paddy Durkin? They don't have one, so that can't be your plan. I think you're the only one talking about <laughs> Paddy Durkin, to be honest. That's no everybody. Every everybody said. This, this scenario and it's this has been it's That's been, just because Mayo people put themselves in the middle of the conversation though. but even this week people, <laughs> it, it, this week the analysis has been about Ma- oh, Mark why haven't McCaffrey they done the job that Paddy Reckon yeah. did on Jack McCaffrey because like, they can't they don't have a player to do that job so you need to come up with a different plan could Stephen O'Brien do it that's what I'm saying. He, well, he's, he's, he's been saying sorry. for the last five minutes. <laughs> sorry. He's, he's, he's the closest scenario. I was looking up stats and that, but I didn't hear it. Come here. Uh, the one thing I just think that it, I, I actually, the point got away from me. I went off on a tangent when I, I was talking there four or five years ago. Um, the There hasn't been enough of the analysis of the first game has accounted for the fact that Dublin had 14 yeah, men. 100%. No, like, so everything we're saying about matchups, about what people should do and where they should go, it, Kerry are a very, very good football team. They could win the All-Ireland this year. They're not, like, they're going to, they're not going to get, um, they're going to expose the fact that you've got a less player than them over the course of a full half or more than a half of football. You know, I just, while all of these things are absolutely, um, are absolutely important and vital. They're not taking into account the fact that Dublin had to completely rescheme. And one of the reasons that Conor Callahan and Paul Mannion and these guys couldn't get into the game in the way that they were used to seeing is because they had to sack. They had to be sacrificed for Dublin not conceding four goals in the second half. Like having agreed with you there as well, I'm just going to disagree with both of us okay, <laughs> both sides of the of the spade by the way I just wanted to bring it back earlier on when I was talking about McCaffrey just speaking about mispronunciations and stuff I got two sayings mixed up I said that's where McCaffrey struck hay uh, I could have said struck gold or made hay but I've decided to come up with a new one <laughs> um, but this is this is back when Dublin had 15 players on the pitch to give away two penalty chances or two goal chances the penalty yeah. and the one was blocked on the line one of the things that people are always talk- or everybody's talking about is Kerry's plan with the kickouts and pushing up and forcing Dublin to go long and win them back, or win the kick out, you win them around the middle. But if you actually look, they almost got punished more for going short and losing the ball in the first half, again when they had 50 men on the pitch, than losing the kickouts around the middle of the field. There was a period where Dublin 
went short, lost the ball on the tackle, went short, Michael Simons got dispossessed, went short, lost the ball on the tackle, went long, lost the kick out, went long, lost the kick out, uh, and lost the kick out again, all in a row. And from the first three, there was a wide for Kerry, that was a Clifford wide that he should have scored, um, there was a Clifford point, and Kerry got the penalty. So like that's like if you say he should have scored, but I know you're going to say you know should have would have could have. If he if he counted that on any other day, he'd score the point. That would have been one two from three dispossessions around the middle. Whereas when they lost the kick out, Kerry got a point from the first one, all right. But then they won the one back, Kerry had a wide, and then actually they lost the next kick out, and Kerry had another wide. So they were on another day if the penalty was scored and Clifford put that ball over the bar, that would have been one two from three dispossessions yeah. around the middle, and that is an issue. Like if. Again, this is talking about what Dublin players, you know, we were saying how Conor Callaghan get into the game more, all this. Those players probably they weren't used to that, that they thought they were going to be able to ghost by lads coming out with, the, out with the ball rather than Kerry clogging up that space in the middle and swallowing them up, which goes back to what you were saying, Morris, whereas if you're man-marking someone and you get beaten, then they have, that, they have the whole pitch running because run everybody away, else yeah. is just one-on-one. Exactly, yeah. Clogging that up around there is where Kerry making it. That's something Dublin are going to have to try and think about counteract the because that doesn't matter where they've got... No, no, absolutely. And I wasn't saying all Dublin's problems came from the fact that they had 14 men. I was suggesting that across the field, a lot of what we're talking about doesn't, it hasn't taken it into account. They were struggling anyway, you know, by their standards, I suppose. They probably would have won the game with 15 men. And that, if they had 15 men for that last 10 minutes, they would have won the game. Yeah. And yeah, I think so. And I think if you're looking at, uh, it just on your, the kickouts point, like the ones that they were winning were from, probably almost asking too much of players like Brian Howard the, the miracle catches and Dean Rock doing the same thing that's almost asking too much to expect a player to do that you know if you're talking about percentages yeah. you know, they're not going to win them the majority of the time Like, but the the big problem we'll talk about kickouts briefly before we, we get the two boys here are going to get the handicap in a second but the big problem with the kickout is that if you go like going long you have to I, the going short doesn't work anymore it, you're trying to work the ball through too many bodies to actually convert score the amount of scores you're getting off going short doesn't work especially when you're going short those turnovers you're talking about um mark the first one is johnny cooper standing right in front of stephen clucks and gets a ball in his chest spins yeah, out of the first it wasn't from a kick out uh, the first one it was from a actually a shot i think the drop short and then the next one was with simon so i'm not sure which yeah they, they, they had three turnovers in that spell they uh Cluxton went to cooper cooper the three players send him spun out of it got turned over and Kerry worked the chance the next one is Mick Fitzsimons running up again t- taking the ball short trying to run the ball over he's turned over Adrian Splann turns him over again third one is going short on the right side uh, Splann comes hammers with a fist punches the ball forward that's where they got the penalty and two points out of those three Splann actually got all, all three turnovers so if you're going if you're so in general I think you have to try and work to the chance where you're going along like I, I just think going short and trying to work the ball through the phases your chances of scoring are so diminished by going short but especially if you are going short it has to be one of those ones you know this thing Dublin do have you ever noticed when Dublin go oftentimes went short against Mayo it was um, like Nile Scully running from the other end of the pitch and picking a ball and then going short it's because if you're asking your backs to put in so much exertion on the other side of the ball then asking on top of that for them to come and take a short one doesn't make sense. You're asking too much of them. So if you are going short, it can't be to a cornerback or a, a fullback. It has to be somebody else coming from deep, coming, picking it up short, and then turning and trying to get something going there. But you can't ask too much of your defenders either. And also it creates, but bringing a forward back, if he doesn't, if the defender that was on him doesn't track him back for well, that Well, they won't because it's a zone of press. Yeah, so, then immediately you've created an extra man. You've created that overlap yeah. to get the ball out of the fence. Because yeah. like we're saying, if you're pushed up on it, sometimes you have no option but to run it down a blind alley. Briefly, uh, Mark, or Mick, sorry, 
we talked about the pressure. 15 players in terms of starting in subs for Kerry made, played in their first All-Ireland final. And we talked about, you know, the likes of Sean O'Shea not being overawed on the big mm. occasion. But this is a really interesting stat. In the final, this is from Aidan O'Rourke's article in, the, uh, in, in RT this week. In the final 12 minutes of play, under the most intense atmosphere, Kerry produced a productivity rate, so that's the number of points returned from every 10 positions, of zero. So across the game, Kerry had a productivity rate of 4.8. So th- that's pressure. Like That's what pressure does to you. And I don't know if, by the fact that they were exposed to that, do they learn from that for two weeks? Like, they, In a way, I was saying, okay, they've, they've experienced that, they know what that feels like, it mightn't happen again. But at the same time, it did. Like, like Is that a positive or a negative? I think the experience is definitely positive for them. Uh, there's two ways of looking at it. There was a little bit of a feeling that they're a young team coming through, that there was a bit of a shot to nothing last week. You know, like that... No expectation, yeah. If, they, if yeah. they go out and play well and Dublin win it, sure, look, they've won the five in a row. What can you do? It's not going to be our fault, you know? <laughs> now you're in a replay. It's a different situation, you know? Like, you're... you're and you're Kerry. You know, never forget that. Like, so I think you're, you, you've had your one shot at it being a shot to nothing and now the pressure's on but you know they were in a position to win it so I suppose that did come on for me there was I don't know you might disagree with this and you've probably looked at the game a lot closer than I have I thought that there was a hanging on attitude that kicked in too early for that sure, was yeah. more than they were you know snapping the ball like snapping at the ball under pressure I thought it was more let's contain what we've got when all they had was a one point lead which I I remember being like really pissed off about at the time because I just felt it was the wrong attitude but I don't know whether that and it was necessarily the pressure getting to the meter you know it is hard to know like there's there was there was more than just the pressure of the last five minutes at play there I suppose it was the fact that they were they were leading and you know thought that that's all, all they needed to do was just contain Dublin so I was on the Build Up podcast this week and caught a glimpse of the spread um, the two presenters of that podcast somehow didn't so Lads, I'm going to let you go first here, Mark. What's the spread? So it was minus five the last time, wasn't it? Um, it's got to be Dublin minus three, I'd say, this time. Mr. McCarthy. Dublin minus four. Bang on. Minus four. I liked the minus five last time, and that was nonsense. Now I'm starting to think that there can't. I, I don't see this Kerry team being hammered. You know, I know four points isn't a hammering or five points as it would have to be isn't a hammering, but, you know, Dublin, what we haven't talked about actually enough in the entire conversation about the five in a row and everything else is that other than like being a good bit better than Tyrone last year, and that still wasn't a hammering, what was it, six, six points, points or whatever, but it felt like a game at various times and in the first half Tyrone were leading and stuff. In By the time they get to the top, top teams, Dublin are like... Being the best team of all time means that you just have to be consistently a point or two better than the other best teams. It doesn't mean you have to be out on your own winning every game by 20 points, you know? And it was, it's more consistency than anything else, and that's what Dublin have, you know? They've never been miles ahead of everyone, and I don't think they are anymore either. Like, I, I, I don't know how much better they are than Kerry. All-Ireland final replay quiz time. Yes. So... I, 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 I can't believe I got the final word on that by the way but uh, yeah. there you go <laughs> I think I won I, I definitely won the Hurling quiz did I win the football quiz? you've beaten me in both quizzes okay so I'm the had. quiz master yeah, yeah. Mark you're quiz taking on here who's never played a potential uh, usurper until now this yeah. is Kerry Dublin 2.0 <laughs> <laughs> 
All he did was play me, which was, uh, considering I've been banished to Quizmaster role this time, suggests that it's not much of a contest. But, Mark, I'm expecting a little bit more of you. Um, your uh, extra two or three years on Morris, uh, three or four years even, might come in handy in this one. Because it is, lads, a very special All-Ireland Football Final replay oh, Christ. quiz. I have five questions, and if you need it, I also have a tie break. I want you to write down the answers because I don't have uh, I don't have the wherewithal to be going back and forth and whose go it is and yeah. stuff like that and there's extra points so I'll, I'll ask you in order but I expect I expect full uh, cooperation here we'll do it much in the style as we do our, our weekly office quiz that only other people who work here will understand when they're listening to this question one the 1996 All Ireland final replay yes between Mayo and Meath probably the most famous replay of them all. Nice easy one. You have to you have to get both of these for a point though. Oh. Two players sent off in the mass brawl. Name them both. I think I know this one. Okay. You should know this one, I think. Like there's because yeah, part of the story is uh who the two of them were because of the contrast. Morris suspiciously on his uh, laptop here. I was <laughs> looking up something else, I presume. I <laughs> <laughs> looked okay. so guilty. Mark, Mark, who have you got? I've got Lee McHale and Colin Coyle. Morris? Oh. Who did you say? I wrote Colin O'Rourke. Ah, no. And Lee McHale. No, it was Colin Coyle. So it's 1-0 to Mark as we go to question did you say two. A point each or? No, it was, uh, you needed to get both of them. I will have a point each question oh. um, later on in the... In the uh, Lovely. Yeah. So... Question two. 1988. Oh, Christ. Produced one of the, <laughs> one of the hardiest of replays. Uh, Cork had kicked the shit out of Mead in the first day. Uh, Mead had spent a couple of, uh, a couple of weeks, I think three weeks, basically talking about how the physicality had surprised them and they wouldn't be caught the next day. <laughs> and uh, they were never caught again. And this is <laughs> yeah. three decades that have passed. And, and this is this team's second All Ireland final in a row. So there was no love lost as Mead met, uh, Cork in the replay in 88. Um, so probably because of that, a Mead player went out and got sent off for punching Niall Callan in full view of the referee after only a few minutes of the game. Now, I will say that uh, this man, you don't know him, is, uh, but you might not just know him for having played for Meath. Yeah. That's all I'll say. So that's uh, write down your answer for who that man was who got sent off. Replays do tend to be feisty affairs, by the way, as uh, a lot of my questions are about cards. <laughs> can, can you ask me second again? I know this. I just need time. <laughs> I think you've yeah, but he's going to give you the answer, so I think he yeah. knows. So you don't have, if you want to answer first, you don't have to write anything down. It's, it was weird. My, my, uh, there's a player I was thinking of, and have you changed I your just, mind now? Now I've changed I my have, mind. Yeah. I've changed my mind based on what you said, but um, I then couldn't think of that person. I just couldn't think of his name. I'm like, I've never stopped talking about. It. But anyway, go okay. on. Who gets to go first? Do this you time? want another clue? No. No. Okay. 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 Go on, Morris. Jerry McEntee? Yes! Yes! Oh, yeah. oh, <laughs> I was so nervous there. <laughs> yeah, you were almost afraid to say it. You didn't really want to be heard, but it was Jerry McEntee oh, who did, who did uh, basically knock out Niall Callan and full view the referee after six minutes, I think, of the game. And Mead went on with the 14 men to go and win the All-Ireland, win two in a row. Who did you have, Mark? 
I went with Bernard Flynn. <laughs> but the funny thing is, I actually know it was Jerry McAtee now that you said it. But at the time, I couldn't remember any of that. So I was just having a guess. I had originally gone for O'Connell and then I was like, you were like, oh, you know him from more than just playing for me nowadays. I was like, that was hardly Bernard Flynn, was it? <laughs> no, well, you know him as being one of the uh, best doctors in the country, yeah, I suppose. The yeah. And the man who saved Shane Duffy's life. Uh, let's not forget as well. Okay, number three, a little bit more modern. We're into the 21st century here, lads. In 2000, uh-huh. Kerry uh, beat Galway in a replay after um, a brilliant match the first day. But they beat them by four points fairly handily. And it was an easy enough day for Kerry. But on the day, early on, it seemed like it was going to go Galway's way because somebody got one of the best goals ever seen in Crow Park. Who scored that goal? Now, this is a bit unfair given the. Morris is going, man. I actually and a carry man. I actually don't know. You've seen this goal, Morris, I would say, 50 times. Who was against Galway? After, si- after six minutes, it was Galway against Kerry in the all Kerry, final. Kerry. Yeah. The first day was a great, great match. The second day, Kerry won by four. But Galway scored a goal after six minutes into the canal end. Oh, this is hard. Is it? Yeah. Oh, lads, like, I thought this was a gimme. But no, the problem is that I'm There's mixing up... shouting at their I'm podcast mixing up, I'm mixing up the Galway-Kerry game and the Galway-Mead game from, what's it, two the years ago? Year the year after. Or the yeah, year after. Yeah, it was after. one, yeah. That's all I can picture is that Galway-Mead game. Morris, you have an answer written down. I think Mark's out of time here. I have an answer written down. Okay. Go ahead. Who? I said Jeff Allen. It's not Jeff Allen. Michael Donnan. No, it's not Michael Donnan. It's Declan Meehan, lads. Oh. And if you haven't, if you don't know that goal I know. off by heart, go on YouTube in the second <laughs> we're out of here. You do know. What's the score here? Oh, yeah. It's uh, still one all. Did Fallon set up? <laughs> he ran down the right wing from like from the depths of hell. So I don't know who set, whoever set it up gave him a pass Phil in Healy. midfield. Like, do I not yeah. get a point for Neil McHale? No, number one. Uh, if he did, he'd get two and end up okay, being the same sorry, thing. Yeah. So yeah, it, he only got one point for that. Right, okay, lads. I've got two okay. questions from the 2016 All-Ireland Final Replay. So oh. this is a little <laughs> bit easier, right? Um, and then we've got a great question after point that. Point apiece. So, so there, there are two different questions, right? So this first question, question four, has is for one point. Who was the referee when Dublin beat Mayo, retained the All Ireland by the by the minimum amount Who? in the twenty sixteen replay? Oh, twenty sixteen replay. No, that was last year. Hold on. Oh no 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 no! You're all having panic attacks. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Morris, you have an answer written down. Go on. Was it Morris Egan? Mark, who have you got? It is Morris Deegan. I originally wrote it down Connor. Yeah, I remember. Him, <laughs> do you remember him? The, do you remember how when you said it? I remember. Do you remember how uh, his, him lecturing Johnny Cooper before he gave him the black card? He's like, you know, you well, know, I'll, you know. I'll hold you there for two seconds because uh, you're after helping Mark there for the next question because who was black card? <laughs> speaking of Johnny, so this is a point each, right? So you're after giving him a point there now. There was three players black carded in that match in the 2016 replay by Morris Deegan. You get a point for each. All three of them, I would say, are were memorable back black cards. The most annoying thing is, I can. Oh, they weren't run of the mill. That's all I'll say. All three of them were memorable. I actually looked this up yesterday. <laughs> this is so annoying because I was looking up to see the Michael Simon start that replay, or did he come on for Cooper when he got black carded? He didn't. He started. Um, the filibuster. Has taken hold again here. Yeah, it has. I think Morris is down one, are you? I'm sorry, what you... I You're mean, short one, are yeah. you? Okay, and Mark, how are you getting on? 
I'll give us another 10 seconds or so. That's right. I'm writing them down. I'm definitely, I definitely have one wrong. Okay. But I don't know which of them is wrong. Are you ready? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, I've bamboozled just lads here. Morris ah. leads 2-1, by the way. And there is this is for three points. And then there's one more question that's only, that is uh, a possible two points. Right. Okay. Yeah. So there's still all to play for. Mark, who have you got here? <laughs> I went with Johnny Cooper. Then I went with Cooper, Mr. Yeah. Dermot Connolly, who scribbled him out. And then I went instead for Kevin McManaman and Killian O'Connor. Neither of those two are right. You get one point for Johnny Cooper. So I, Johnny Cooper as well. Vaughn yeah. got one. He didn't. Cullen Boyle. Am no, I wrong? It was Lee Keegan and Rob Henley. <laughs> You're Keegan down. <laughs> I, just, I, I swear I misspoke. I swear I misspoke. For who? Oh yeah, well I'm looking down what you have written down. So I had Lee Keegan down. That's the reason we have the pens. I'm going to give him the point for that. Why did you say Colin Boyle? I, just, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, was nobody black carded for the kick out at the end? The only black cards, according to Wikipedia, like all these quizzes, was uh, Johnny Cooper, Rob I, Henley, and but that's the game where everybody dragged everybody 15. down at the end of the game. No, that was the year later. Oh, feck it. That's why I went. You did it again. You did it again. I'm only worried about replays here, Mark. I don't really know what happened in 2017, but in 2016, in the replay. Oh, sorry. I thought there was going to be a question about that. (laughs) No, 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 no. So what's the score now? So it's, it's, um, Morris, how many points did you get there? Two. It's 4-2 to Morris. 4-2. Mark, you got one point there, even though you were given it. By Morris or Johnny Cooper. You know the way... Um, but I don't know why you don't remember Lee Keegan. That was a really big deal. You know the, uh, the way we were talking about whether or not pressure will affect Kerry? I can attest that from my experience in this quiz, pressure will definitely affect Kerry. Like, yeah, because you've read the word Lee Keegan I'm, and said Colin Boyle. I'm, I'm so proud of I wonder where you're trying to get two for one there, you know? If you'd said I can Boyle, show you all my answers. I believe <laughs> you, I believe you. If no one else does. Here's an easy one for you to finish <laughs> off with, right? It's 4-2. Mar- Mark needs to get both of these both points here and have hope Morris gets none right Morris I'm, sp- I'm spooking you the first ever All-Ireland final replay was played in 1894 if you could name both teams oh, who were involved on. you get two points if you name one I want you to write down two but if you can name one uh, you're only allowed to write down two though if you can name one you'll get uh, one point and I have a story or two to tell you about this match lads when I was looking up this this, the, the, looking, looking up stuff about this match took me longer than writing the rest <laughs> of the quiz. I think I heard this story not that long ago. I'm fairly sure Paul Rouse was on about it. I've gone for look at him. I've pulled two names out of my backside here. Okay, go on. Who are they? Cork and Wexford. Kerry and Armagh. It's oh, definitely not Armagh. so interesting because it is Cork. So that's one point. It's not Armagh and it's not Kerry. But it's also not Wexford. Oh, who it's was it? It's Dublin and Cork. Dublin and Cork. So, Mark, so Morris wins by four points to three. I'm sorry I don't get to do my tiebreaker. Can okay, we do the tiebreaker anyway? Okay, we'll do it. But I, I want to tell you about the 1894 All-Ireland well, final first, right? So first of all, the first match was 1-1 to six points. And it was a draw. Because it was five points for a goal. Yeah. Right? Which I So that looks weird. <laughs> the second match, though, which was... Five points to one two. So I'm looking at this originally going, sure, hold on, that was a draw too before I realised what had happened. But no, Dublin were five points, Cork were one two, which is seven points at the time. But ten minutes to go in the match, Cork supporters ran onto the field and attacked the Dublin players. <laughs> and the Dublin players refused to continue the game. Oh, that's typical. The, the match was abandoned and <laughs> awarded to Dublin. 
who are the 1894 All Ireland champions, despite the ma- the, ref- the match ending with two points, uh, with Cork leading by two points. Cork County Board refused to accept the results, presented medals to the Cork team six months later. <laughs> but the official record books still have Dublin as the champion. And I thought Offaly's 1998 All Ireland was illegitimate. <laughs> was oh it? My God. Was that? That was five points in that stage. Yeah, the Rouse thing was. I think he was on off the ball. He was talking about them like uh, originally when goals were brought in, it. Superseded points, so no matter how many points he scored, a goal was worth more than it. it That's was, kind of like, like Quidditch. Quidditch rules. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's just that if the game ended and nobody had scored any goals, whoever the most points won. But if he scored a goal, it was worth more than any point. That's. I think there's a film in the 1994 All Ireland Final. I have to say that's absolutely fascinating. The, the Cork supporters coming in and just why were they doing it? They were winning by two points. What were they thinking? <laughs> Listen, Morris is once again quiz champion. He's going to take the three man weave quiz into the winter, and we'll have to figure out a way of taking it off him. But before unless we go to another replay, unless we go to another replay, is right actually. But for the tie break anyway, just to see who would have won it. How many All Ireland football and hurling replays have there been? In the history of the GAA. Oh, Christ. So you just write down whoever's ah, sure, just, say it. It. just say it. Sure. I'm going to There's say no, it. Nothing, on, nothing at stake here. The pressure's I'm off. I'm going to say 21. I'll say 25. Oh, you should have went lower. It's only 18, lads. There's been 13 football final replays and only three hur- in- f- only five hurling replays. And the five hurling <laughs> replays, there was three in a row there a couple yeah. of years ago. That's mad. <laughs> That's mad. Uh, so before 2000 and, uh, before 2012, there'd only ever been two All-Ireland Hurling final replays. Brilliant stat from Malachy Clerkin as well this week. That Was it the last four All-Ireland final replays? The man of the match didn't start the original game. Yeah. Which is why he ended up looking up about uh, Mike of Simons, whether did he start the replay or just come on. Before we wrap up on the men's match, there's just two things. Uh, one is something I want to ask the two ye, which is who's going to win the game? Dublin. I'm, uh, I think it'll be close though. I haven't heard a single person tip Kerry this week and I'd love to be a hipster so for that reason I'd say Kerry I'm going to back the draw so we have, we've got <laughs> 14 to 1 going, and the, the other thing podcast, was, one of our tips this yeah week. speaking of uh, the other thing I want to mention before we go was the sports direct event we did last week we mentioned it earlier on we had Eamon Fennell we had Liam McHale and we had Mark O'Shea and they've reviewed the final previewed the replay talked about everything else uh, it's up on the GA feed right now so be sure to listen it's to that on all the well. feeds on all the feeds yeah. be sure to listen to that before Saturday's replay as well speaking of psychological pressure I also have there's a load of reading on Boz this weekend lads uh, you'd be happy to know um, PJ's got a really interesting interview going up tomorrow morning that's Saturday I'll have a piece up on Friday on Jack McCaffrey and on the Galway psychological edge that they might have over this Dublin side like the, the point that I was trying to make about Kerry I think is actually more applicable to the Galway ladies playing against Do- Dublin right because in a similar vein there's so much hype about this Dublin team and you saw Mick Bohun during the week trying to defend the work they've done and trying to point away from finances and stuff like that but I was even looking at this during the week Tracy Leonard did an interview where she talked about the only thing that she found overwhelming about their semi-final this year was playing at Crow Park which is interesting like if you think about that like just the only thing different was that she played in a stadium that was overwhelming but the stage itself wasn't overwhelming and then these are quotes from Louise. I'll actually read this out. This is Louise Ward, who's the midfielder for Galway, obviously. So I spoke to Louise after they bet Carnacon, uh, Kilaran Clonburn uh, bet Carnacon earlier this year. And before going into that game, this is what she had to say. So this is just the idea of some sort of psychological impact on uh, you know, weighing you down going into a game like this. And she said, look, that team, they have unbelievable players. Of course, Anton is the best player in the country. 
But I said before this, I really want to go at them again. We wanted a chance at Canicon this year. We wanted to go at the All Ireland champions every day. You go out, you want to be the be the best uh, against the best. So I think that's a really healthy attitude, and the fact that she's in the heart of this team alongside her sister Nicola, the fact that um, you've got players like Megan Darwin who's had unbelievable success underage. I mentioned Trace Lennon as well. Like the the team, the opposition won't be a factor, and they've now they've exposed themselves to the stadium. So that the biggest barrier for this Galway team was always going to be some sort of psychological thing. On top of that, then you've got the stuff like you heard earlier from Tim Rabbit talking about the the mentality around this game that oh, like you just fear what Dublin might do to Galway. Like in a lot of ways, Galway from the outside looking in, everyone looks at them. This is a free hit, and mm. from them looking back out, they're like. We've nothing to fear here. Like this is a team that, like this thing about uh, hammering, they played it in the semi final last year and it finished four eight to one ten. Like it wasn't a, dumb at the first five minutes blitzed them, scored a goal straight off the bat. Nicola Owens was stunning that day. She's out injured now. Like the, the, there's a lot of things that are weighed in Galway's favour that make me suggest this could be a lot closer than. I'm not saying by the way that there'll be two shocks this weekend, um, as much as I'd love for it to happen. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I do think that Galway are closer than maybe it's been perceived. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they're just when they've they've come close to Dublin every time, they've just been on the wrong side of it, even in the league as well earlier on this year. So like, that is the thing. But at the same point, we were making that argument for the likes of Cork beating Dublin a few weeks ago, going, you know, if they've they've shown they can do it. Maybe it is that thing, like you're saying, is that this is a shot to nothing and that this is something that nobody is, everybody's written us off. If it was Mayo, this is the funny thing, if it was Mayo that were in the final rather than Galway, people wouldn't be writing Mayo Exactly, off. exactly. Yeah, so that's a, a precise my point that you have to take the, the the context of this team in in case it's not just like Galway themselves don't inhibit uh, Leicester County mentality like they have yeah. they're 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 above that and you should see some sort of evidence that on Sunday and the same with another like we're saying on the build up podcast they have to look no further than the Galway Camogie team which is in the exact same situation where it's yeah. like Cork beaten in the semi final oh, that's great great day out but Kilkenny are going to ultimately win the final maybe they're going to probably need goals the same way Galway did in the Camogie final as well but if they can get them then they're in with, in with every chance and the, the other part about this though is when people are watching this on Sunday is that the Dublin team are so so good to watch and they're only going for three in a row so they're not the bad guys yet either you know like despite oh, they're, they're close <laughs> despite Mick Bowen's uh, protestations but do you know what they are though I remember like I was saying this recently I was like I watched the um, last year's All-Ireland final again and just the performance and the style of football and the speed at which they played in the last 15 minutes of that game would just make you just fall in love with the game and yeah. you know that we're still at that stage where unfortunately ladies football is still a developing game where we need teams like that we need like it doesn't have to be about who's always winning the loser we want to be able to to see these teams who play it at a different level that's ever been seen before and for me anyway especially with the pace of the game mixed within the skills that's what Dublin are doing and I'd love to see Galway come up to their level you know um but even if they're not you'll never you'll never have a bad day out watching this Dublin team and there's something savage about final point than this. Uh, like, there's been a lot of complaints about the timing of the. I can understand why it's frustrating for Kerry fans, particularly, but the timing of the game on Saturday and the fact that it's you know a Saturday night evening and it's the, a, re- a replay on the same weekend as the ladies' game, and maybe that will overloom that one. Like for me, anyway, this week 
has been an amazing build up and actually simultaneously for both games like I just mentioned you saw those interviews with Tim and Mick and uh, Tracy all this week that stuff has been out there as well and it, it does feel like there's something nice to think now in your head you're going to throw a park Saturday and Sunday like it's a it's a festival of Gaelic football to say goodbye to the year I'm incredibly excited for this weekend and I think that I, I don't think that one overshadows the other at all actually I think that they both exist in kind of prime time slots that would make, have you really excited just for a weekend like just for yeah. have you excited for Gaelic football yeah exactly and just on that Dublin team we talked about it a few weeks ago on the Build Up podcast I think they're one of my favourite teams just even from I think from that time they had the documentary out that just got the backstory of all of them but some of them just are so they're a joy to watch like just watch Sinead Goldrick she is incredible in both going forward and as a defender and that it's one of those things that if you need to like who knows you know what will happen in the future maybe they'll win three in a row and they may not come back for another one or whatever like you have to kind of appreciate it's like sometimes we say that with the Dublin men's team as well it's like if even if they are going to go out and they're going to beat Galway well on Sunday appreciate the likes of her the likes of Sinead O'Hare the likes of those players that when when you have them that you can see how great they are that you say well, geez, we were there when they kind of made a breakthrough to the first of a new generation yeah. that have brought the game to the next pioneers level. like yeah right enjoy the weekend enjoy both games in Crow Park if you're going into them we'll be back on Monday to for a review of all of this that's our final show of the year lads probably I don't know there's still the chances to draw <laughs> we've never had a double replay as far as uh, in my shady research, I, I uh, we've never had a double replay. And do you want one? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Feed into the Rugby World Cup. It'll confuse the hell out of everybody. But sure, like, Jesus, would you not take it another two weeks? I know club players, you know, yada, yada. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, Mark throws his eyes up to heaven. I'm just saying, yeah. for the vast majority of people in, you know, 30 counties who don't play club football or hurling, like it's terrible oh. for them, and they should be looked at. They should be first priority. But what I'm saying is that for the vast majority of us who don't, who aren't waiting on fixtures, would we're going to be more interested in the All Ireland final than we are in the third round of the Dublin Championship? We can't get down that rabbit hole. <laughs> I was going to say, I'd love to look up stats on like the attendances at club matches, and then get county by county stats of people who actually watch the Ireland final and see how how big of a difference there is. Enjoy your weekend, folks. Take it easy.